Hello, yes, and you're very welcome to episode 11 of Higher Fidelity. Now, before we kick into it, I've got some points to make. I propose a reimagining of the Winwood classic, honouring one of Ireland's greatest thespians. Columini, Columini. <laughs> right, now, Jojo. We all remember Jojo. Pop star. The Rabbit. Jojo, oh, um, Dana, right now. The most important pop star out of the mid-2000s, of which there were loads yeah. mm. she was also an aquamarine the film that destroyed everyone's life except for emma roberts it only dented hers she's unbeatable mm-hmm. she's uh, pregnant now as well cool good for emma yeah i know yeah. she released leave get out leave get out leave right. comma get out leave brackets get out right oh right okay. but in the chorus says get out the back and vocals go leave <laughs> what's that about so like uh, were, yeah. were, were the label management and agents and promoters in such a dizzying rush to release this undeniable smash mm. that they couldn't even get a little bit of consistency between the chorus and the title of the song but now this was, it was a PR disaster that did nothing to stop how big this song would go on <laughs> to become it was a monster set. you haven't a clue did you know about this at Not all a fucking you, you don't know Jojo do know the song you were alive in 2002 so but I lived under a rock until 2012 mm. he was in Baywatch I remember I was watching Aquamarine and my sister Mona said Jojo's in this and I went who's Jojo and she went Peter it's fucking Jojo and I went I now have to know who Jojo is I know yeah yeah no Jojo's a real mourner person Uh, and my third point in the process of bread making you put dough into an oven you cook it until it's bread then you take it out Mm -hmm. and then at a later date at your convenience you might turn it into toast yes my thought is if you were to cook it past the point of bread could you feasibly end up with a loaf of toast no you can't no Solved. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. As always, you're stuck with me and I'm stuck with these two. But today we're stuck with our second ever guest, Mm. Becky Walsh. (laughs) Now, now, you're one of the most title endowed people I know because we've got Becky. Oh, yeah. Bex with a CKS. Yeah. Bex with an X. Mm -hmm. Then Boosh. And all its auxiliary nicknames. Yeah, yeah. The Mighty Boosh, Bushuana, Little Bushuana. Bushin. Then the chaotic evil that is Rebecca. I know. <laughs> but you're not endowed with any of the titles that other abbreviations of Rebecca would entail. It's all no. spins and abbreviations and riffs on Becky. Yeah, thankfully I've never been a Becca. That's horrible. What about, why isn't Rebby a nickname? Rebby, uh, Michael Jackson actually has a sister called Rebby. Um, we could adopt that. Nicknames are something that I am quite uh, skilled in, as in skilled in having, not skilled in giving. People in the room here, Ross, you don't even have one. Me and Ev have got the really sedate, one, a few letters taken off, I've got a Pete, I've got yeah, an Ev. Yeah, it's the basic. Yeah. Even Becky as a nickname itself is kind of, it's nice because it takes off a bit of the beginning, bit of the end, and adds a letter. Yeah, it adds two letters. Yeah, there's no oh, K, there's no K in going, Rebecca. Yeah, 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 unless you spell it the Jewish way. But it's funny that if you picture the name Rebecca with a K you go R-E-B-E-C-K-A you don't go R-E-B-E-K-C-A isn't that weird because you go Rebecca if, you, if it was K-C but if it's C-K you don't yeah you're just yeah grammatically hardwired aren't you well yeah I'm by school but why what does a C after a K mean because well, there's, C- there's C-K-N-Y is that a thing Calvin Klein New York that's D-K-N-Y Donna Karen New York <laughs> <sighs> 
Right. Mm -hmm. You're scattered all over the back pages of our like musical career. Like in, in every like important event, you're there in the background. Oh, I'm right? photobombing them all. And I'm thinking of the day in the back of the Black Dead van at Flat Lake for the Buddy Brown where it was raining and we had like a little rehearsal in there. Yeah. But anyway, so you were there at that at the Flat Lake in the van. You were there <laughs> the day Drake Bell snubbed us. Yes, I was. The day we were stranded in Birmingham on the Paul Weller tour. But most there. crucially, you were there the day you and Morna were there the day that Lindsay Lohan Lindsay, stumbled I into knew our that lives. That was coming. It's a day I refer to. As LL Cool Day. <laughs> <laughs> For people there, we're not exaggerating. We were coming off stage at, was it U Street Music Hall? Something like that. We were playing the small room there anyway. And Bastille were playing upstairs. And she was at that and then trying to find a dressing room. And then there was a load of people in the back of the dressing room after the gig. Yeah. We were all in bits. There was too many industry people about. There was too much family there. Sorry, Bex. Uh, <laughs> and there was what we call in the industry fuckers in the dressing room that just mm. managed to just get in there and do their thing. But anyway, so we were just all standing around, all of us in the middle, getting a bit annoyed mm. and then this person just fell to the door and onto the floor and I remember you yeah I, I saw a woman trip as she came in the door was she wearing like a woolly hat yeah. she was wrapped up because it was a really snowy yeah. New York-y wintery time yeah she tripped as she came in the door and like she like nearly knocked over a table or something like that and I thought it was just somebody who was off their chops uh, <laughs> so motioned over to Niall my dad slash our so don't tell me man I know him <laughs> motioned over and was and did a real kind of like hey, can we get the this can we get this person out please and she was on the floor at this point was like had yeah, like yeah. fallen and was like in the process of getting yeah up. i wanted her removed from the dressing room because i had no idea who she was and then she revealed she revealed herself to the room and we all went oh my god it's parent trap yeah. <laughs> let's get a clue yeah it's mean girls it's confessions of, of a teenage, teenage drama queen. queen the girl who plays a friend in that alison pill is the drummer in scott pilgrim versus the world wow oh, no. It's Freaky Friday as well. For, oh my god, yeah. I was thinking, are you are you Jamie Lynn Spearsing me now? Are you is is she inside you? And are, is, are you, are you hey, did you ever get that body swap thing properly sorted out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did it ever happen again after the film? Did it ever happen again? I think the film was fiction. <laughs> we found out mid gig that she had landed. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, because she watched it. We were told she was there for Bastille. She might have been there for Bastille, like Bastille might have ended. And she came down, and I remember Niall came over to me and like whispered in my ear. Lindsay Lohan is here and I I think Morna's soul left her body <laughs> <laughs> and there was two lads from Cavan that had that moved to New York I used this as my moment to be like I'm gonna go over and just say this these people need to know literally I was like Lindsay Lohan's here and I've never seen someone bless themselves so quickly he was literally like praise Jesus praise Jesus his Jesus being Lindsay Lohan uh, it was a great moment but um, he also um, told me that there's better guys out there than Zac Efron really what's the context of that so I was 14 keep that in mind i had a collage of zach efron as my phone screen at the time of course me too no judgment zone no i was kind of like shaky giddy when Lindsay lohan came in obviously because i was like fucking Lindsay lohan me and morna were standing in to get a picture gave the phone to niall when i was giving it to him i dropped the phone on the floor and she got a look at the wallpaper and she was like who was that and i was like oh nothing she was like no seriously who was that and i was like <laughs> Zac Efron and she was like oh, oh god there's better guys out there honey <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't know tea you know. alert a few years later Lindsay Lohan did a series with Oprah doing a whole thing about like going to rehab and like getting her life together and apparently part of her like rehab process or like therapy or whatever was to write out the names of everyone she had ever slept with <laughs> this list got leaked Zac Efron was on the list. Part of the therapy, of course. Part it was. of the therapy. I'm doing air quotes. We need to get the full list. Her therapist yeah. was from TMZ. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she wasn't doing like a show busy like ah, she was like no honest to god there's actually better lads than Zac Efron like he, she was going oh, people, yeah, people yeah. who don't know at home I'm like mimicking small willy syndrome yeah yeah no, no hit <laughs> no length well, small pee pee what does Zac Efron not have me Mm. But the thing was, Bex, you did the one thing as well that, like, you know, people have asked us to get photos with us before, and that's happened, and that's fine. Yeah. Not bloated of me to say that. Yeah. But someone going, "Can I get a photo with you?" and then dropping their phone does make you want to smite them where they stand. Oh my god, I know. I hated myself <laughs> in that moment more than ever. Can't overstate though. Like again, just for yourself and Mona specifically, there couldn't be two more like Lindsay Lohanny sort of people. It might as well have been like us going to like your gig yeah. and um, for me and especially at that, if I was that age where we're going like oh Jesus Christ Tyson from fucking Beyblade has walked in yeah, I can't yeah. believe who <laughs> I'm looking at I had genuinely never seen a Lindsay Lohan movie at that point in my life this is why there's a disconnect between me I and know. you right? yeah, exactly. on from that we've also been in many bands together notably Mars Needs Guitars, yeah. Mars Needs Guitars Lord yeah. Friday the 13th yes uh, The Outer Limits yeah, Spam yeah. Turner for that one gig in the Imperial <laughs> that's so true yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you're on like countless demos and things like that as well exactly. uh, yeah, I didn't realise we have actually technically been in four bands together you are an avid fan of the podcast as well I am I'm one of the few avid listeners oh wow <laughs> <laughs> thank you is this going to colour your enjoyment of this episode the fact that you're all over it I, I was thinking about this Am I going to listen to this? Probably not. Oh no! Really? Well, Bex, we can't lose any numbers. <laughs> I obviously want to know what it sounds like. Yeah. But, as I've mentioned before, I do do another podcast called Scandal in the Wind on DCFM. But I have never listened back to one of those. Oh nice. Out of pure fear. You're studying communications in DCU. I am, Is that yeah. probably the least exciting bit of your life so far? In terms of what you've done. In terms Think of who you've of, met. In, in, in terms You're not of dropping things, your phone in DCU and someone saying Zach Efron had him. No, no, Definitely no. Not. No, <laughs> one of the lowest things on the list. If not the lowest. But it's it's good crack all the same, you know? Yeah. I can't I can't relate to the college experience mm. at all. It, neither can I really. Uh, <laughs> you mean there isn't like a Zach Efron neighbours type situation going on in DCU? There's no frat houses, unfortunately. Only uh, Pratt houses. <laughs> Shall we kick into section numero a hen which is Mexican Irish for number one what's what's Irish for Mexican Mexican or something yeah and like Mex with like a C yeah I don't think there's an X in the Irish language there's no there's X not, or a K in the Irish language or a Z or a point to it yeah there's no V is there I don't think there's a V there's no, no Y either no Y tell me why you can't sing that song Irish. In Irish. What good is it to you? Uh, kick into the first section. Uh, it's first guest, Becky, you can introduce a section and give us a Lindsay Lohan quote. There's better guys out there, honey. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sonic Seconds. Yep, this is Sonic Seconds, where we uh, played two or three seconds from a song that we think just makes the track. Uh, Bex, you did the intro, you can go first if you want to see it, you the guest. This is well, it's kind of an unusual one for me, but not unusual at the same time. A portion of, it's just like three seconds from Gotta Find My Baby, cover by the Beatles on Pop Go The Beatles. And there's a, just a really, really nice moment that George plays on the guitar, which I will play for you now. I 
gung jung jung gung yeah. jung jung. Very good. That makes my heart sing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's actually a couple of Sonic Seconds leading up to that as well. Lots of bass Sonic Seconds. That entire Beatles at the BBC Radio thing is to me. I remember seeing a, f- a photo of them at a river. Wasn't John and has his glasses on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always think those recordings and go. They sound like he has his glasses on. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, kind of a horrible thought that he's doing them wearing glasses. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I keep seeing pictures of John Lennon in the big red shirt and the blue strat, and to me, it is the most cursed image I can ever see. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know why. It gives me such a weird feeling yeah. down there. <laughs> Ross, can you laugh like, into the mic so that people know that I'm being funny? You don't have to like scream it, but just let me know you're getting. Uh-huh. People love your chuckles and they miss them. Gotta find my baby. Um, not much else to say about that. I'll let the Sonic second speak for itself, but there's something about the shit quality of the recording <laughs> that I think adds to like the whole. I don't know the the tone of it all is very pleasing. Yeah, there's a lot of crunch to that live the BBC because it's like a lot of like people like actually recording it off their radio at the time. But or... it's one of those things, and it's like something that that happens a lot in like soul songs, like girl groups and those kind of things. Mm. That like some sort of a chord change for some reason makes your heart go out of your arse for a second, <laughs> and I like, go like right back up again. I I, I get that with um, what's that Limp Biscuit song? Yeah, rolling, 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 rolling. Yeah, my heart escapes my body when I hear those. Couple of Jack L tracks do that as well. Oh no, stop! Okay, whom I've seen live twice based on my work. I saw him at the Rammer Theatre. Dad brought me there, and me and Mona said, "Dad, we meet Jack L out of the gig." And he like was like, "Yeah, I did the windows in here." Oh my god! Wait, did your dad do the windows in the Olympia? Sorry, the Ram. Whoa. Yeah, it's a bit of a step down. Less surprising. I did the windows here. (laughs) If I can't get my kids backstage to meet Jack L, a man that they didn't know existed until an hour and a half ago, what the fuck can I do? But that was the first celebrity I ever met. Well, celebrity. I'm doing air quotes, people. If any man is a baritone, it's Jack L. He has the lowest voice I've ever heard. He does, he does. Lower than this? Yeah. (laughs) Right, Ev, hit us with your. Nozick Kessens. I tried to middle, middle change the middle of the words. Doesn't work. Uh, yeah, my Sonic Second comes from, again, through Bex being on here, this is something that has a lot of relevance to our sibling relationship. Yes. Because um, much in the same way that Mark Lewison is the number one all-time greatest Beatles expert and is dedicating his entire life to copiously detailing everything, finding out every possible minute fact about every day of the Beatles' lives... We've had very similar experiences trying to chronicle the Hollies. Absolutely. And specifically for myself, Tony Hicks, if <laughs> yeah, you're yes. out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 60s group originally, the Hollies, and I, and I say group intentionally, <laughs> went on into the... Like, they haven't broken up yet. I was going to say they went on into the 70s and, and beyond. They are still together. They would be touring the US mm-hmm. at the Min. I know, yeah. If it wasn't for the Rona. Yes. We absolutely love everything about them. I know the whole the whole group here feels positivity towards the Hollies, but this is a moment that really showcases Bobby Elliott, the drummer. Have I watched this in the last four days? We know what this is. It actually isn't what you think it is. <laughs> oh. oh no. I might do that in the future. I might see if how many Sonic Seconds I can get out of different performances of the same song. But this is from the studio version of their hit, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Sort of final chorus reaching its sort of crescendo. Bobby on the drums, some nice uh, vocalizing, and it leads into a lovely, kind of weird, heartbreaking chord, like Becky says, that makes your heart exit your anus. Uh, but also go back in. No, it returns, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here we go. I would say that there, it's not the chord that makes that nice, 
it's the little harmony bit that makes it nice. But it isn't also the chord falls in a way that you don't expect it to as well. That you think it's going to like just be like those classic slow song chords. There's only so many places you can go, but they find another way. The lead vocal, the drums, it, it's all just coalescing there. I, again, I, I hasten to repeat my thoughts on the first two lines sung by Alan. Yep. Where they go, the road is long. With a man in such a strange choice to make for a man who can do both really well and then decides to smash them together. We were doing a take of the nice uh, little sort of sad sofa song now. Uh, great, I might as well show them the extent of my range mm-hmm. in the first 10 seconds of the song. <laughs> That's the definition of get you a girl that can do both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if she can sing the first and second line of He Ain't Heavy, you know, you've got a good one. But that's possibly one of the most like mimeable air drum clips absolutely absolutely Bobby Elliott who is king of the under symbol hit which I have been uh, attempting to adopt having not been able to do it for years then I like thought no I'm, no, I'm going to harness this Bobby under symbol thing I have adopted it and the world went into complete lockdown and no one's been able to see me <laughs> hitting the symbol from underneath and then on top and then underneath and then on top Ross tell me Tell why? me why. I was doing the full song. Mine comes from Nick Lowe. Alright. So, uh, this is Debut Appearance. Is it? Is it? That's what I'm asking. I don't know. Well, this is so it goes. The ending. I know it's I know when people say, Oh, my favourite my favourite part of that song is the end. When, when it ended. Yeah. But genuinely. Is the drums. <laughs> Terry Williams. It's tasty. Classic. That was a question, Terry Williams. <laughs> yes, yeah. Terry Williams. That's a, a pretty iconic moment in our in our musical canon. I remember having become absolutely all entirely consumed by the concept of power pop. Mm. I remember in 2012, 2011 maybe even, Evan, you saying, listen to this song, it's a thing they call like power pop. This is like, it's fucking, this so it goes. It's like yeah. the first thing on stiff forever. It's my first encounterance with the phrase at all. And then four years later, I would go, oh, heart re- now receding back up, having, <laughs> having exited it. Anus. What was that? That was your heart going back up. <laughs> but it like ricocheted into the throat. I like. Yeah. I thought it was going to rupture my esophagus there. That was really your weird. Esophagus. <laughs> your esophagus. I said it wrong. Esophagus. You just said esophagus. You just really went for it. <laughs> you said it like you might say O'Hanlon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Peter esophagus. Your esophagus. <laughs> that clip that I can see, Ross, you had the YouTube clip up there. I did, yeah. The promo from uh, Kenny Everett or whatever it is. Because you don't get that ending on the... I was going to say. The release version and the, I think the version on that TV show is two different solos as well. Yeah. And I'm much, I'm, I'm much for the low trembly solo. Isn't the, wasn't one of the versions Nick plays everything? No, yeah, drums. yes, on single, the single version. You also did it, like 2011 or something like we that. Did. We did a version of it in Windmill Lane Studios for a live session for The Independent or something that, as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you also did it in the Scout Den. Not in the, sca- <laughs> not in the Scout <laughs> Den, sorry. In the, the rugby, rugby club, club for, for the Scouts. For the Girl Guides. For the Girl Guides, the girl guides. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excuse me. The thing is, when we did all them covers as well, I wouldn't really know how it went properly. I'd have a habit of saying, yeah, I learned it. You listen to it an hour before we did it and then do it. But we uh, we did it at the, the Flat Lake Festival in 2011. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the room was there. Every song in the world was on that set as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. We do go back sometimes, they're plastered over the wall and have a look at them and, and see like a set list for the, like what was the GAA club place we played? The... We played on the back of a truck. Oh, that was Cross Keys. Cross Keys, yeah. yeah. We did a gig there in Cross Keys where there was 38 songs on the set list. <laughs> <laughs> At that gig, I was meant to be playing a gam match. 
like the my, the Kilishandra team were playing yeah. right beside us. For uh, listeners in other parts of the world, he was going to be playing the game from normal people. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, okay. So my Sonic seconds uh, and Ross, you kind of ruined it there. We were all gonna, <laughs> we were all going to have solely sixties based Sonic seconds. Oh, nice. But then you went out with a song that defines the late seventies. My Sonic seconds comes from the sixties. The Searchers doing Love Potion number nine. Oh. Your theme tune of 2010 Yeah, that and the Hippie Hippie Shake Were, despite being 40 years older than me Have come to define me This is them live And is it Beat Club or Beat 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 Or what is it? Beat Club in 1966, yeah, yeah In Germany, right? Yeah, in Germany, yeah And it's 1966 everywhere except in the searchers' heads Yeah, I'm going to get to that in a second Don't take my good point (laughs) This is the solo played by Mike Pinder uh, In Love Potion Number 9 What's the bass player's name? Frank Frank Allen Frank Allen I like how Ev's the fact-checked for this podcast so far. Frank Allen has just gone whoa and the solo starting now now the comments do leap to Pinder's defense and one comment says he was still getting used to the sonic capabilities of the Rickenbacker that's not True. No, <laughs> no unfamiliarity with an instrument would make you think that was a good move to no. try and pull off. No, no, no. Now, to be fair, we are speaking about a man who only adopted the mop top in 1966. Right. He was two and a half years behind the trend. He had, yeah. a, and he had a full-on queef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Pinder queefed the day he was getting his hair done. Yeah. His beautiful bequeathed hair. He had a quiff right up until 1966 a hairstyle that had been outdated since 1957 yes pathetic indeed. Frank Allen had just replaced Tony Jackson as well I think Tony Jackson is the Tony Hicks for the searchers as well everyone just loves Tony Jackson everybody loves yes. Tony Jackson and so he, much. he really defines the searchers yeah. Irish radio love uh, Tony Jackson because they yes. aired an hour long interview with him randomly two days ago great Yeah. Uh, and yeah. also Chris Curtis, Curtis the showman of the group as he was the drummer yeah. Chris Curtis the standing up drummer he's still laughing at queef the funny thing about the solo though is that you can kind of see what he's trying to do oh yeah oh yeah and if you listen to their studio recording and then the original recording because uh, I have recently compiled a playlist of the original versions of all the songs featured on the Searchers debut album yes including the Clovers Love Potion number 9 it's like a really cool slinky sax solo for it to then be like mangled like that (laughs) he really Nick Jonas'd us he did, With he did. It was the original of that. But Nick Jonas left that country music Hall of Fame thing going, oh, I fucking pendered it. Uh, yeah, I fucking yeah, yeah, pendered yeah. it. I, I know the capabilities of this blue, sonic blue Telecaster, yeah. and yeah. I still pendered it. But if we're talking about other versions of Love Potion Number 9, I think the Coasters version does need just a shout, because that oh. serve it up, and drink it down, is a really nice... Because again, the Coasters... A lot of people assumed did the original of that song, but they didn't. I did. Yeah, because it's such a coastery song. They're they're funky seventies version. They really funk it up just by like changing the meter of the songs, like going like I took my trouble down to Madame Rue instead of like <laughs> nice. There's better guys out there, honey. That was Sonic Seconds. Sonic Seconds. Very good, very good. Yes, that was Sonic Seconds. Uh, and we're gonna. I can't say kick it again. Can I kick it again? Yes, yes you, you can. can. Yeah. I'm not going to use the same intro though again. Uh, we're going to go straight into Guilty Hatreds. Oh, no, we, need, we need a quote. Um, what is it, on October 3rd? Th- on October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. It's October 3rd. And this is Guilty Hatreds. They're the bands that everyone thinks are great But I can't help but be filled with hate It might be a man 
Yes, this is Guilty Hatreds where we bring up a band that we feel bad about not liking. Who wants to go first? Ross? Oh, sorry, no, you've told me you don't have one. Yeah, I don't have one. Great. Do you want to go first, Peter? I'll go first. So, my Guilty Hatred, it's a bit, of a bit of a different angle I'm coming at from this time. I feel bad about not liking the second half of any Buzzcocks album. Okay. Nice spin to put on the thing. Now open up a whole new world of possibilities for me and future Guilty Hatreds. <laughs> Spin 103.8 FM, you're listening to The Duke. Um, basically, the Buzzcocks are the kings of like front-loading their albums with, with the songs that would come to define them. Basically, mm-hmm. their first album should have been Singles Going Steady, which is all yeah. the singles collated into one. It was like the first American release, but it was a compilation of the first, of the first two halves of their first two albums, essentially. Yes. Now, what do I get? Promises, Ever Fall in Love, all the biggies. The front-loading an album is sort of derided in the industry as like a cheap thing to do. I have no issue with it at all. The, the top-loading of an album? So, yeah, front-loading. Oh, I know, yeah, no, I love that. Because like you get you get opening salvos like Argy Bargy with fucking Pull Them Muscles in the Shell, yeah. Straight Into Another Nail of My Heart, things like that. I see no problem with it at all. I don't no. see why you wouldn't put the best stuff for first. You know? Yeah, no, I'm I'm actively pro it. It also kind of tricks you into thinking this is the best album ever. Yeah. Because mm. if like the last couple of songs are like iffy, you're like, I don't really give a fuck. Mm, I've sure. already been been flabbergasted by the first half. On the first album, they actually have Ever Fallen in Love. Uh, no, they have Orgasm Addict on the second, like it's the third last track on their first album. You go, That's brave because that was the single going into this, you know. Mm-hmm. On the second half of their albums, they always indulge the sort of art rock stuff, like the sort of the they always indulge the hold that Howard DeVoto's stance towards music had on Pete Shelley and yeah. like just let that run rampant on the second half of the album. And the Howard DeVoto was gone at the stage and was in magazine. But to me, they don't have the sort of uh, manic incongruency in the personnel to pull off the weird art rock they were trying to do, like art no. everything and songs like that. Exactly, unlike XTC or magazine who, were, who had like just a nuts lad who was just able to pull this sort of stuff off. Pete Shelley can't do that. Steve Diggle, God help him, is too simple. <laughs> Steve Diggle's name is Steve Diggle, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's my that's my guilty hatred. Is that I like I dislike the second half of the discography of the Buzzcocks, and I don't mean a point after the halfway point of the band in terms of years. I mean halfway point, literally side two of everything. I will not listen yeah. to. I'd yeah. have to agree. There's a lot of filler. There's a lot of filler. Yeah, but a lot of art. It's not even like if if they rewrote promises six times and did put that on the second side. Yeah. If it was like meaning is punky filler yeah, that was yeah. like simple songs I go yeah of course that's great but it's the fact that it's filler that is passed through a mesh of pretentiousness and weird yeah. chords delusions of grandeur uh, they shouldn't release that as a single at all <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's my guilty hatreds for this uh, ep uh, do you want to go Bex? I, I'll go if you would like me to be my guest what's the fucking Beauty and the Beast song be, be our, our guest yeah. be our guest put, put ourselves our to, to the, the test, test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Why'd I do that? <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so my guilty hatred is... I'm not that guilty about it, but it's... <laughs> Way to understand the point of the segment, yeah, Ben. You see, I was a f- I have so many guilty hatreds, but I feel like they've already been covered. Don't you just rattle some of them off? Don't you give a reason just rattle some of them off? Maybe? Like Joy Division, Oasis. Have, have Oasis been covered? No. We'll do, them, no. we'll do them another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did another one. You told me about one that you did that... You too. You too. Things, although pretty much I've agreed with every guilty hatred you've all had. The Strokes. Bear in mind, not... We all didn't agree on the ones that we all brought. No, no, no. But like, I I'd have to, I'd have to say that the Strokes is a is a no go for a guilty hatred. Who brought them up? Who, who said who said the no, Strokes? We never did the Strokes. Oh, sorry. Libertines, I think. Yeah, no, Libertines. You're thinking Libertines. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Libertines. You just fucking outed yourself. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no, I think we've had a conversation about what you would do, and I might have said that. Uh-oh. But mine is the Kings of Leon. I. You feel bad. The reason I feel bad about this is because they're so good looking. Yeah, I know. They're all so related. The reason I have any guilt about this is because for some reason all of my friends love the Kings of Leon. Really? Like 
Dylan McClory's obsessed with the Kings of Leon. Holly Kinsel is obsessed with the Kings of Leon. You're using their full names. That's mental. I'm, I'm outing them. <laughs> Naming and shaming. Dylan, I'm calling you out. They are so obsessed with the Kings of Leon that I have to listen to them all day, every day and have never once said that I don't like them. So I'm, I'm outing them live on a podcast. But I think they're really bad. Totally and I'm agree. sure you all agree. Well, we uh, might have a man over here. Not what? what the fuck? I thought you made a face as it like kind of. I went to see them years ago. I went to Kings of Leon, yeah, when I was eight, but like you know, or nine. But you know, you you went to you went to Ross. We knew we knew you when we went to see Kings of Leon. Yeah, I went to Kings of Leon before I joined the band. Yeah, but we knew you though. I can Google the year they played Slain, and we will fucking know. Well, then I was. Who stole my phone? I was ele- <laughs> eleven or twelve. Yeah, it's pretty bad, bro. Yeah, but you just went to Busted, you know what I mean? So like, you know. I didn't go to Busted, I didn't go to Busted. I didn't go to Busted, I didn't go to Busted. I, I didn't go, I didn't go. I um, went to Mac Busted and it was fantastic. So don't come for me. I went to Joe Brown and ACDC in the one week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I had a little Kings Leon phase, but I was very young. And I also had so many other shit phases. Scouting for girls, bring to mind? No? <laughs> huh? Scouting for girls? No? Yeah? Yeah. You had a phase. I didn't, I, well, I, pl- I, I covered a song. Yeah, that's called yeah. a phase. Did I love a lady? I did a fucking brilliant job. I blew everyone out of the water that day. Um, Ross, I think you're forgetting that I played the pizzicato boogie at that, so... You blew someone to get on the bill. (laughs) Myself. I had ribs removed. Apparently that's not true. (laughs) That's not true about me. (laughs) Not true that that can happen, that that can work. Uh, Yeah, it's not not a rib thing. It's a spine thing. I read. Okay. Um, You did some research. Anyway, back to Kings of Leon. <laughs> Kings of Leon suck. They're uh, all dicks. <laughs> but I know a lot of people see their early stuff as like very credible. And it's not. Like I hate. I hate Molly's Chamber so. Yeah. Yeah, see, I was and fooled by Molly's Chamber. And what's the other one? The song where the singer sounds like he's got loads of fluff in his mouth. Uh, oh, that's all of them. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was fooled at, at first. I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Let's you know, fucking, it sounds cool. But then see, the thing, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think everyone is fooled into thinking that it's cool. Like someone says, yeah, that's cool. But if they ever actually question themselves, they'll go, wait a second, it's actually really thin and febrile yeah, and yeah. means nothing. What you were saying about the fluff in the mouth, he has like the laziest singing like it's like doesn't actually close his mouth ever has his tongue in like a weird position I hate his voice (laughs) and they're also like racist aren't they yeah yeah well this is a son of a preacher man the only boy who could ever discriminate against me was was the son son of a preacher man man. you see woos yeah they're horrible I don't like them at all when they had that big like fucking it wasn't necessarily a comeback because they never went away but when they when they were everywhere in like 2009, the Sex on Fire era. When they took the soup. The clothing and hairstyles that were on display were despicable. Agreed. It was like borderline JLS. <laughs> fucking loose boots and... The skinny jeans vanishing into the chasm of an opened long boot. That they <laughs> of were... an opened long boot with the tongue flipped yeah, the opposite yeah, yeah. way yeah. and like a baggy scarf. Sex on Fire as well defines to me an entire range of Sony Ericsson phones. And you're right. annoyed because that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, Sex on Fire and Human by The Killers are yeah. the same song to me. Yeah. Like, they evoke the same energy. They occupy the same space. Yes. Yeah, look, listen to that. Yeah. You use somebody... A lot, yeah. of people, a lot of people played that. Oh, yeah, that's a bad song. You know, we were meant to support uh, a band called Knights of Leon. Yeah, I remember that. We were. And they were a Kings of Leon <laughs> tribute band, and we never actually did it. That was for a Shamrock Festival. It like was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree with that, Bex. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Dylan and Holly, stop making your friend listen to stuff they don't want to listen to. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I'm not really guilty about it. It's it's friendship-based guilt. It's not, like, musical guilt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, can, we can move guilty hatred into just people in general. I, <laughs> I feel bad that I don't like you. <laughs> Uh, Ev, what's your guilty hatred? My guilty hatred, again, is kind of more based on people around you, what they say and stuff like that, that I don't actually necessarily care too much about not liking the music. But it's the whole uh, culture surrounding it. 
of how it makes people feel, how popular it is in a sort of a musical way. Um, and there's lots in it that, I, that people like ourselves are supposed to like. So Tame Impala, I thought would be. Oh yeah. yeah, no, I. Yeah, I, I feel I, the same way. I can't get on board with that at all. Again, everyone says like you know, but like it sounds right. like he's got a rubbery bass tone. You obviously would like it, and it's yeah. like sort of it's it's all tape analog and things. Like that. And just because it was recorded on a fucking TX four one four doesn't mean it's any good. Yeah, yeah I have yeah, decided. Yeah. I just don't fucking care. He like, can do one. Yeah. And as, even the fact that he's like written and recorded and done all the stuff himself. You man, Kevin Parker on his own. He's like made it at home. Again, I'm supposed to be impressed by that. But like. like okay. Guy doesn't have any mates. Yeah. <laughs> I could do that. What a fucking loner loser. Yeah, he, can do all that, he can do that all he wants. He still has got a gack haircut. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. And the at the start of, of the day. Throughout the day. <laughs> he's yeah, got a yeah, bad haircut. Probably more so at the start of the day. Yeah. Bedhead. Yeah. But also, I could not tell you the name of one song. I know one song goes... I really, which I actually quite like the riff of. Yeah. No, yeah. not that one. Is that them? No. <laughs> I have to say, I do not like that song. That's my sweet loving song. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of how overdone it's been. I've heard Miles Kane sing that song more than I've heard Tame Impala. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know any other Tame Impala song ever, so I've no you know, opinion you know, on it. You know the... Is that them, though? Yeah, that's the one that sounds like Lennon. Oh, okay. What song are you talking about? That is the one. I also think that people get like tricked into liking stuff that's like quote unquote vibey. People love a vibe. Things that are like, oh, you can sit in your room alone in silence with a candle on. I am not actually that big a fan of psychedelia in general, especially not that aimless, formless, lyrically devoid of any yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. tracks. I'm not a fan of that stuff at all. Well, it, it is it is the opposite of power pop, though. Exactly. Anything longer than four minutes that doesn't have the best chorus in the world, I'm not going to listen to. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah Evan, that was your Guilty Hatreds? That was my Guilty Hatreds. On October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. It's October 3rd. And that was Guilty Hatreds. Wow. I need to wee. Yeah, I need to wee really bad. Let's wee. I feel bad when I tell someone I think they're alright. Well, it's certainly a great day in law enforcement history. This is Fuzz... Never mind the fuzz box. Fuck. That's what that is? Albert. Albert. Albert from Twin Peaks. Uh, oh. The, the FBI yeah, guy comes in to Twin Peaks after Agent Cooper's already been there. Nice. Great. I don't know any of those names. Uh, yeah, this is never mind the fuzz box where we have uh, rigged up a mic through a fuzz box. We're going to put headphones on everyone else and we're going to sing a riff and hope that they can get it. And we haven't actually, we didn't have it in the last two episodes. So a welcome return for the buzz fox. Uh, me up first. Uh, let me go over to the fuzz box station on the floor. Right. What can you hear? I can hear nothing. Can you hear me doing this? Yeah. Can you hear me doing that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it fuzzy? No. 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 It's not fuzzy? No. 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 Is it fuzzy now? No. 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 no There's like a me- metronome happening. <laughs> right. Bex actually give those long ones to someone else. Over Ross, maybe. Pass to the left. Scooby-Doo! A chocolate-covered eggplant burger. 
She was like, what? And I was like, later on. Go for it, Pete. Sugar, you're going down swinging? Sugar, we're going Sugar, down swinging. Sugar, we're going down Fall Out Boy? It was the bit with the line about cock it and pull it. A loaded gun complex, cock it and pull it. It was indeed. That was Fall Out Boy, Sugar, we're going down swinging. A song that I thought the line was, because it's a loaded gun complex, cock it and pull it. I thought the line was, fuck shit, bollocks, cock it and pull it. And now, Bex, me and you have a story about this song. Yes. Do you want to tell it? I had actually gotten Band Hero for my birthday, I believe. And we were playing it in that room over there. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I don't know what was going on that day. But, uh, yeah, you were like, oh, fucking sugar, we're going down. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing that they have that. You were like, we have to play that. And I was like, okay. And then it was like, da, da. And you, you went, sugar, we're going down, we get... <laughs> Yeah, I love the swinging. And I think you sang that line consistently every like 40 seconds for the rest of the day. Yeah, but we uh, as soon as you heard that, you were like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Fuck yeah. this shit, I'm, I'm out. out. I knew that the room did not like the song, so I was like, I just want to hear the chorus. And yeah. Then I'm, then I'm getting out of here. I'm, yeah, that was my fuzzbox. Uh, Bex, you're up next. Yeah. Boosh, I want me, whatever your nickname is, uh, go for it. You Can't Stop an Avalanche or whatever the fuck it is as a race down the hill. It's You Can't Stop the Beat from Hairspray or whatever the fuck. I couldn't get the first <laughs> line there. Absolutely. It's uh, the greatest ending to any film in the history of anything ever. I've seen that film once mm. and I'm still haunted by John Travolta in it. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That I genuinely think that that's probably John Travolta's best performance in anything. You're including Battlestar. Was it? Was that horrible Battleship Down? He was in some. Hor- it doesn't matter. Do <laughs> it's a I'm looking at you vacantly here. You better than the remake of Taking of Pelham One Two Three. Yes, Pete. You mean better than Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Fever? Saturday Night Geezer. Wait, John Travolta's performance in Hairspray is hilarious. It's really funny. I remember not that long ago you said to me that you hate that film I do not like it it's literally up there in like one of my all time favourite films it's <laughs> like, like Desert Island could not live without Hairspray like the soundtrack is so good when I was thinking of Sonic Seconds I could only think of Hairspray at Sonic Seconds <laughs> it could be do a rewatch and a reappraisal yeah. I've never seen it well it could be do a watch and an appraisal Ev you're up for the oh, yeah. fuzz box I don't know why when, I've nothing, when I can't think of what to say I always go for the staccato approach to speech and it's not Clever, it's not funny, it's nothing, it works, it's nothing. It works. Is it work? It's a pro it. move, is it? Wogan was it's mad It's a pro move, <laughs> bro. I was going to do something that I forget it, but this one has just come in. <laughs> okay. It's a... It's bad romance. Is it? Yeah. My baby's always dancing. Blame it on the boogie by the Jacksons. Uh, Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Genuinely had something lined up there and I completely forgot and I was like, wait a minute, that is a riff. <laughs> so that was that was Blaming on the Boogie by the Jacksons. It was worth bringing up because it also has the stupidest, funniest music video ever. Yeah, oh my God. Jackie in that music video sends me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rossi, Rossi's up. It pains to iterate that uh, Ross and everyone so far has hunkered for it. We've all hunkered. Isn't, isn't it funny back to how like, you are compelled to hunk oh, when you're doing it? Like, yeah, yeah. Ready? Yeah. Oh, oh, 
astonishing girl by Dukes of Stratosphere? Yes. I heard da, 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 the da, mighty da, da, young girl. That's kind of the reason I did it, is because it sounds it sounds fucking weird. When you said vanishing girl, I immediately went the Peter Andre song. Mysterious <laughs> <laughs> girl. Come on, move your body. <laughs> Twice happened in my life now where I heard someone's full name and thought it was two people and the instances were Peter Andre. I thought it was Peter and Dre. Yes. <laughs> when I was very, very young. And yeah. the same happened with Django Reinhardt. It was Jang and Reinhardt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was two, like I was Jang and then a guy called Reinhardt got together. And mm-hmm. same way you thought it was um, Django and Chained as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was Ross's guilty hit. What? <laughs> it wasn't. No, Fuzz, it was my fuzzbox. That was fuzzbox. Uh, why? Why vanishing girl? I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that song in your scope of knowing at all. Well, I mean, you know, I was just thinking of riffs, you know, and intros and stuff. Who does it? <laughs> the ju- what? I wasn't challenging you or asking. I did not that I didn't know, and I didn't think you didn't know. I just want. I just want everyone else to know. Duke's oh, yeah. a stratosphere. No, that whole album is fucking brilliant. It's great. No, yeah. I. I think bike ride to the moon is fantastic. Well, it certainly is a great day in law enforcement history. That was never mind the fuzzbox. Right, and now we come to another section that Ross isn't prepared for. Prepared. Uh, now we come to another section that Ross isn't prepared. Oh my god! <laughs> and now we come to another section that Ross isn't prepared for. Nice, you got it out. It's a horrid habit. This is Sid didn't die for this. trap when she's in the car with Dennis Quaid mm. and that was biting her nails and he says you stop biting your nails and she goes dad I stopped eating it's a horrid habit a yeah. horrid habit okay but yes this is Sid didn't die for this another segment that Ross isn't prepared well, for I mean okay, I can just I can safely say Sid didn't die for Led Zeppelin and that's my Sid didn't die for this Grant okay well that's done uh, who wants to well, go first? We are kind of going in on a collab on this. Yeah. So do, you want, do you want to keep the collab for the end then? Whatever we'll, 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 we'll end on a collab. Sounds juicy. Okay. Sounds, okay. sounds fruity. Okay. <laughs> sounds like a fruity double chew. Do you remember when uh, Hubba uh, Bubba did... Um, <laughs> it was like a chewing gum flavour inside. It was like a little block and there was two in it. And if you chewed it enough, like, you get to the second one. And then I, did, I, rem- I remember that. Did twin watermelon with like... Yeah. Papaya. Uh, and I always remember the ad was like a, a Creature Comfort style animated chameleon. I see. Purple and blue with the ones that I like. I remember that, and I particularly remember watermelon as well. That's giving me like juicy drop pop feels. But the way that American ones would be like dusty savannah, and then a chameleon eating, and then English ones were like fucking fat children licking lollipops. Like, yeah. Always, I didn't like the, the sour juicy drop pops. I loved the flip ones though, the ones that came out were like a big triangle. Oh yeah, no, I I was a sour one. I loved the apple one. But the whole point was it's supposed to like give you like a zing and then you can like skate. It was a zing and skate. Yeah, yeah. it was like you were going like mm, and then like you were like fucking Tony Hawk sick <laughs> whatever that game was yeah I don't even know how we got on that Tony Hawk's Pro uh, Skater 4 I don't even know how we got on that <laughs> we'll, we'll end on a collab so I, I'll go Sid didn't die for the Views cover of Up the Junction <gasps> oh, at Glastonbury that's a really good one, yeah. is a good one so the View made many questionable decisions in their life one of which being deciding to be a drunken unruly band all the time. Do you remember once we were going to a festival and Kyle Falcone was meant to play at it, who was the singer from The View, mm. and he didn't make it because he got drunk and aggressive on the plane and they had to ground the flight to get him off. Oh my God, I'm shocked that they were still together by that point. I think he was going solo at this point, but even still, oh, okay. he was making poor decisions. <laughs> and I'm going to play a bit of it now. This is them at Glastonbury doing Up the Junction. 
main stage at Glastonbury and the guy, the bass player has mucky wellies and the drummer has no top on. So many egregious sins committed. So many yeah. ha- hateful things. On a stage that has seen far too many egregious sins. Yeah. Obviously, for our American listeners, of which there are actually a few, which yeah. I always think is very funny. The View had a song called Same Jeans. It's very similar to another big British hit. And I think there's a split in the room over who thinks what song is better. Because there's Same Jeans and then there's Brimful of Asha by Corner Shop. Oh, it, don't make me choose. I think Brimful of Asha is better than Same Jeans. No. What? I really thought you were going to go the other way. Yeah, there. I, no, thought you, I thought I you were on my side. No, I land on the other side of the fence. Oh my there. god! <clears throat> Think I'm going to go brimful of ash. Me, no, me Thank too. God. We're all going to agree. No, I. Would I thought no because we had this, we discussed this in Amy's bed, and you were like, "It's same jeans, though, Pete." It was in Tracy Beaker, <laughs> for God's sake. Are we comparing it to the original brimful of ash? No, the Fat Boy Slim one. Which is the one. I also think Same Jeans is like the only song missing from the Angus Hongs and Perfect Snogging soundtrack. It is notable by its absence. But we have... I've got the same jeans on for four days now I'm gonna go to a disco in the middle of the town Everybody's dressing up, I'm dressing down What's Brimpervasha? See, no one knows. Yeah, oh yeah. Behind, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. There's dancing. Behind, behind the movie scenes, behind the movie scenes. Somebody would actually say. Sadi Rani. She's the one that keeps the dream alive. From the morning till the evening till the end of the line. The brim full of Asher on the 45. That was so dodgy. I'm so sorry to everyone, isn't it? Any song with a line. Everybody needs a bosom for a pillow. It's gonna win. It's gonna win, yeah. I don't think that'd be very comfortable. Surely you've done that as a as a child. My mom doesn't have a bosom. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was quite independent as a child. <laughs> you had your own mind. My own bosom. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of like you when you were heavy being like my bosom. When I was heavy. <laughs> I was buxom. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 my Sid didn't die. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about the song. No, oh, the, yeah. it's an atrocious, atrocious. Uh, it's it, really when he makes the decision to go up with the melody. Oh, he ruins the melody. When as well, he goes, yeah. I got the double such a such a drastic and horrendously badly timed and constructed re- rearrangement of a, of an amazing untouchable song mm. and he says at the beginning we think he says you cannot figure out what he's saying at the beginning of the, of the clip that it's one of their favourite songs and they decide to honour one of their favourite songs by doing it one of the greatest injustices that was ever broadcast to millions at Glastonbury in yeah. that most 2006 2007 2008-ish of ways <laughs> yes in that Angus Tongs and Perfect Snogging way in a way that only the mid 2000s could fuck up we all can't deny they are wrecked in the clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hit us with your collab. So this is the this is the first like Evan feet back back feet Ev that's been on the podcast so far. Yeah. Mm. This is like when Nikki teamed up with Ari. I know for Bang Bang. Yeah. Like, so this was a the, we're, we're collabing on this. It didn't die for this because we both feel very strongly about it, and it's something that we simultaneously it was a world event that we witnessed unfolding 
as, as a duo and our hearts also broke they sank and then when they hit the bottom they broke our sit and die for this was Terry Sylvester of the Hotties Twitter this is the second time he's turned up in Sid Didn't Die. Yes, it is. And this is oh, a direct yeah. knock-on result. So this is actually a sequel as well. It's worth saying this is a sequel to one of my Sid Didn't Die for this. is back at the very start of this podcast. So basically, we were sitting on the couch one day and we were like, we'll just see what... I know Terry Sylvester's on Twitter. We I'm... also knew he lived in America. We were talking about the Hollies and I said, I hope Terry Sylvester's doing okay because I know he lives in America. and With all that's going there's on. There's a lot of trouble and strife going on in America. Yeah. So we were like, we'll just check it out. To our horror and dismay what was unfolded in the next two minutes was <laughs> n- neither of us could have predicted anything of the sort uh, do you want to get some screenshots up Bex, while I yeah. queue this up uh, back in 2010 Terry Sylvester was denied a chance to sing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction of the Hollies he had the mic snatched from his hand uh, by Alan Clark the former lead singer of the Hollies who gave it back to a man who was guesting with them the lead singer of Train yeah. I believe Terry was also wearing a Liverpool jersey at the time and seemed to be intoxicated ten years on his Twitter is looking like, and to think that shithouse tried to ruin my day, look how happy I am. <laughs> Referring to Graham Nash, who he replaced in the Hollies. Other things... Um, Isn't there a photo accompanying that tweet, though? A picture of the two of them that says, words fail me. Other tweets include, sadly taking drugs and bragging about it eventually catches up with you. Look at the state of Crosby and Nash is not far behind, should be behind bars. And then a clown emoji. Now, I'm all for giving out about Graham Nash. Yes, as we all are. We all are. He's a scumbag. (laughs) A maggot. Cheap, lousy. Bleep. He is no the rest. But when it comes to Alan Clark, (laughs) I'm not okay for people to be shaming him online. You don't just come for Alan Clark like that. Looking at a tweet here, please don't post Clark's pathetic heavy he needs to be put out to grass. I thought he lost his voice. What about Clark's stupid earring, Sandra? He had idiots advising him. Sadly, he doesn't have a lot between his ears. Smoked like a trooper, took drugs, and it's caught up with him. Looks like an old waiter on a cruise ship. Laugh, laugh, laugh emojis. I think the fact that he accuses Adam Clark of being stupid and then having steady employment on a boat is pretty rude. Absolutely. For Alan Clark to be sitting at home in his 70s, more than likely not aware that this is happening. Yeah. yeah. And for him to be being outed consistently online, I'm not on for the, it. The theatre of conflict that Terry has decided to perform this in is a place where Alan Clark has no chance for like reciprocal fucking digs. Yeah. Alan Clark isn't going to set up a Twitter now to come back at Terry's Terry, Terry could have just rang him or gone to his door and said this. Yeah. Like, no, I'll say it somewhere where Terry isn't. And like Alan, his wife's been unwell. He's been out of the business for nearly 20 years because he exactly. lost his singing voice. He's only recently gotten his confidence back. Yeah, he looked like a very sad, downtrodden and depressed man in a lot of interviews. I think that's where the earring came from as well. He seems to have sadness behind his eyes a lot of the time. But he has nothing between his ears. No. Apparently. Now, now that's one thing. But then he starts to come for, and I quote, Bobby's pile of poo book. Evan, you can tell us that it's not a pile of poo. It is not a pile of poo. Pile of poo? (laughs) That's another one of my nicknames. (laughs) It is not a pile of poo. It is hilarious, but it's not a pile of poo. He then continues to go on about how Bobby Elliott and Tony Hicks have no rights to be playing as the Hollies today. Call them Hicks, Elliott and Sidemen. Now... I don't have too much loyalty to the sidemen of the group, but again, I have too much loyalty to Tony and Bobby to allow them at their age to be being outed online Mm. by a 
bitter Terry Sylvester. Yeah. I love how Terry spends most of his time now laying claim to his spot in the Hollies despite the fact that he was a fucking blow-in quite late on in the game. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Another sad point about it as well is that apparently uh, only recently Alan Clark had been praising Terry Sylvester on the radio. Because he's a gent. Because mm. he's a gent and Terry had to go and blow it all by saying that <laughs> Something Alan Something stupid really, like you've got nothing in between your ears. Yeah, he, and that he ruined his day at the mm. R&RHOF. You, you another tweet is him holding his rock and roll Hall of Fame statuette saying uh, me thinking I want to smash Alan Clark and Graham Nash at my statue. Mm. Which is harsh from Sylvester. Yes. So Sid didn't die for that. Sid did not die for that. And a, a kind of sub Sid didn't die for this is like kind of Graham Nash in general and his behaviour. And him saying that he's having the best sex of his life with his current wife in his 70s. He's, he's enjoying a one-man sexual revolution. <laughs> solely located in the Nash boudoir. I don't, like, I'm not king-shaming Graham Nash. He's definitely into some fucked up shit. He's definitely into some depressing stuff. He puts on whatever horse song that Neil Young does. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets her to like wear an acoustic on her back <laughs> and then call her Neil or something like that. Even though, did Neil Young tear the heart out of CSNY? He did, but that was only after. Um, you know, yeah, maybe it was before uh, David Crosby tore the heart out of CSN. Yes, okay. Sorry. I thank both of them for tearing the heart out of both of those bands because I think everything about that musical ensemble is tragic and terrible. It's mm. useless, yeah. Sid didn't die for any of that. Sid didn't die for it any of that especially for it to be put on to Tony Hicks and Bobby exactly. no Sid would have loved Tony it's a horrid habit that was Sid didn't die for this she's dead wrapped in plastic this is Ross Farley's Acoustic Corner with a voice so soft it'll put you to sleep and a face that makes you want to beat your knees it's Ross Farley Yes, this is Ross Farley's Acoustic Corner, where once again, it isn't Ross at all. It's all of us performing a song. And I think today, what are we going to do, gang? We're going to do, we'll at least take one word and see if we can get to the title of the song. Yeah. The. Day. Curly. Billy. Shot. Down. Crazy. Sam. Maggie.
that was that. How did we do? I, we, I hope we did all right. I, I think it was excellent. I think that was perfect. That was Ross Farley's acoustic on it. Who we performed the day. Curly Billy shot down. Crazy Sam McGee. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That was Ross Farley's acoustic corner. Ross Farley's acoustic corner. And we're gonna kick. No, we're not. <laughs> we're going to leapfrog straight into the final segment for this month. Have I got to staccato speech? What's the deal? Mm. We're going to go straight into I'll do it. I don't know another term for music. I'll do it a cappella. This is Have I Got Tunes For You. This is Have I Got Tunes For You, where we recommend an album that you might like to listen to, and we're going to do a lightning round. I actually think I don't have one. I don't think I have one either. <laughs> do you have one? I have one, yeah. Great, Bex, do you have one? Yes, I do. Amazing, right. Two years do it. Mine uh, comes from a band whose claim to fame isn't actually anything they've done. Their claim to fame is causing the beat to change their name to the English beat when they went to America. <laughs> oh, great. So this is... The beat by the beat. It's really, it's really good. Like I say, it's really good, but at the same time, it's absolutely nothing special. They don't do anything new. <laughs> the vocals are mediocre. The harmonies are so simple that anyone could do them. But it's like if you had a bucket, you could carry any of the songs. Really great. Any decent tracks on it? Yeah, uh, there's "Rock and Roll Girl," the opening track. That is. A great Hold track. on a second, Ross. The fucking beat. Is Paul Collins the beat? It's Paul Collins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was in The Nerves? He was in The Nerves, which is like, never mind, uh, never mind the telephone, uh, which is... Did hang on, hang on hang the, the telephone. telephone. Yeah. One of the guys from The Beat or The Nerves went on to be in The Plimsolls as well. Okay. Okay, so we can tell people now because it's not happening. Me and Ed were supposed to back Paul Collins in a tour of the UK this week. It would have been, yeah. This week? Been the, this, it would have been this recording. week, yeah. What so, a weird time for me to bring this up. I know, we would be playing Rock and Roll Girl right now at the... Oh, what was the venue in London that we are going to do? Christ knows. Yeah, safe to say it would be a big, 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 big venue. Yeah. Probably because, Wembley. Yeah, one of the football grounds might have been being booked out. Because when the, when the Beast released this and it, it did nothing, they changed the name to Paul Collins and the Beast to try and muster up some sort of... Bit of cachet. It, it didn't work. <laughs> well, because he, he, this was Paul Collins of The Nerves, one of the most famous bands that didn't make it. Yeah. So again, just he was on a, they were on a hiding to nothing with that. But this is this is a, an absolutely cracking power pop album. Fantastic. I'll throw one in just because that made me think of one. It is The Shivers' first album. is great. They have a few tracks like Stand By For Love, mm. uh, Teen Line. Yeah, the, I only am aware of one of their other songs. Maybe you'll say it. Rhonda wrote to Rita. No. That's a great track. <laughs> Shivers with two Vs, predating all twins and all these bands being <laughs> Yeah, it's actually Shivers. A teen line, please stand by. Hold on. Why Tell Lies. Hold on. Yeah, That's what I mean. I'm not mad about that one. Why Tell Lies is great. Don't Tell Me is really good, but Ronda Rotary is a really, really nice one. Wait, I genuinely think that I was like, yes, but I was referring to the Jonas Brothers song. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. It's yeah, an empty room. It's be so good. That, that was in Johnny Capahalla back on board. That's how I came to find the Jonas Brothers. The Shivers are great. Uh, Mine is a, a country album because I know everybody loves that. It is the International Yeehaw. Submarine Band 
uh, their only album that they ever released called Safe at Home, which is Graham Parsons' first ever musical venture. Foray, if you will. Exactly, that has been uh, recorded at least. But if you're into things like country rock and lap steels and stuff, <laughs> um, this is the album for you. In a, in a very like mid to late 60s-y kind of way. Yeah. Kind of hippie, hippie country rock. But it's, it's, it's pretty country, but it's not. I just mean played by kind of hippie-ish kind of lads. The first two tracks in particular, Blue Eyes and I Must Be Somebody, else you've known are excellent brilliant excellent songs that i think everybody should listen to and they do a nice medley of that's all right mama into actually sorry i think it goes the opposite way Folsom prison blues into that's all right mama and it's literally the slickest medley i've ever heard in my life <laughs> you don't realize that it's a medley it's like all of a sudden you're halfway through that's all right mama and you're like you where where did the prison blues go <laughs> brilliant what was coconut into this did i do one you didn't do one. No. No. Uh, right, okay, that was a quoteless Have I Got Tunes for You. And with that, we've come to an end. Not an end. No. The, the end, end. Mm. of this, the 11th episode of Higher Fidelity. I've been me. She's been her. He's been him. And I've been Ross. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been Higher Fidelity. Yeah, we have been Higher Fidelity. And we'll, yeah. con- and we'll continue to be so. And we are reminding you to be rooting. Be tooting. Always be shooting. Uh, be. Wait, do I do another one? Just pick another one. Ooting. Be. Uh, pip pip de doodly dootin'. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly. Be, be kind. kind.